Welcome to Mates in Courage, brought to you by Good News Unlimited. Be part of a conversation between Graham Hood, champion fisherman, airline pilot and school dropout, and Ali Gonzalez, wannabe fisherman and holder of more useless degrees than you can poke a stick at. What could these two possibly have in common? The fact that neither of them have anything to hide. That's what. Mates in Courage. Take a listen. G'day, Graeme. How's the fishing been? Pretty dismal, Ellie. We're in between seasons and the fish have gone to bed for a while. I'm waiting for the summer. I heard Don't you. ask me any more questions about no, no, fishing. No, no, I heard. Oh, no, no. Your wife told me you caught a few undersized brim. Yeah, which we let go. Okay. And we caught a couple that were legal and we had an entree of nice fresh brim fillets. Well, that's better than I do. I have, I've got to let them all go. <laughs> It was good to get out in the boat and, and be on the water. And I've got a lovely wife who isn't naturally sort of gifted towards wanting to fish, but um, she loves being on the water with me. And it's been great watching her learning to tie her own hooks on and bait her own hooks and take her fish off the hooks. And it's great. It's it's a really lovely thing that we're sharing. So I'm enjoying it, even though I'm not getting many fish. Yeah. Look, I wanted to talk about forgiveness because it's something that I don't think that people think about mm. uh, in their lives quite often, especially men, or they've got the wrong ideas about it. But I really think that it's that forgiveness or the lack of forgiveness mm-hmm. is one of the biggest influences in how we live our lives. What do you reckon? You're pretty dedicated about this subject. Dedicated? You seem to be very um, upfront. You really want to get into forgiveness. Yeah. Why? Have you experienced a lack of forgiveness in your life? Is there anyone you haven't forgiven? I have experienced the need to forgive. Mm-hmm. So I know how hard it is, mm-hmm. and I know the results that happen when yep. you forgive, mm-hmm. and I've also definitely experienced the results of unforgiveness in my life. Mm-hmm. What about you? Oh, ditto. Ditto to all of that. I reckon that that's true of most men. They might not think about it, but I reckon forgiveness, you know, having been forgiven or experiencing the results of not being forgiven is one of the key factors that determine the way we live our lives, the, the enjoyment we get from life, and ultimately how our lives end up. The one physical thing I notice about not being able to forgive is that my jaw tightens up. Uh, when I think about a certain person who's hurt me or someone I feel like a need for revenge against, all my muscles tense up and my jaw tenses up and I start grinding my teeth and I all of a sudden I realise I'm not relaxing and I'm not relaxing because I'm devoting a lot of energy to disliking somebody who I've got an axe to grind against and the crazy part is they don't even know it. The thought strikes me that a lot of people grind their teeth at night, you know, maybe a lot of people need to forgive. There's freedom in forgiveness. I, I think if we can't forgive that we, we're actually living in a prison that we've constructed around ourselves. Does that make sense? Yeah, but there's the, the common idea about forgiveness is that it's for women, you know, or for weak people. It's mm. a sign of weakness because you're not standing up for, you know, what's right. That's what I've experienced in my life uh, from uh, what people close to me have told me, in fact, about why they don't forgive because they've got to stand up for what's right. A moral duty. Yeah. That's bizarre. It's true, though. Then why is it that so many people don't forgive? Maybe they haven't experienced enough forgiveness in their own life. What's your most profound recollection of being forgiven and what did it feel like? That's a very hard question for me, Graeme, to answer because I can't answer it right up front the way you want me to answer. It's a Mm. very painful question Mm. for me to answer because 
I have lived my life without experiencing forgiveness from others, especially those close to me. Mm. My father was a man who didn't forgive. Yeah. Uh, I never met your dad. No. And I craved uh, his approval and I drew all of my, I tried to draw all of my identity from him. Mm-hmm. And what I got from him in terms of my identity was all wrong. It was, it was messed up and it wasn't who I was. And then what I've done is I've projected what I tried to get from my father, that lack of forgiveness, lack of acceptance, onto other people who have been close to me. You know, and I've put, an, in a sense, maybe an unfair burden on them. But you know, we, we tend to repeat patterns in our lives and I think it's true with forgiveness at every level. Yeah, absolutely. You know, I know I've experienced forgiveness forgiveness from God. Yeah. I guess I can tell you what that feels like. Yeah. But I can't tell you that I have experienced forgiveness from those close to me, the ones from whom I crave forgiveness. What I have experienced all too often, I'm not talking about everyone, but all too often, is bitterness, resentment, everything from the past always being dredged up. I've experienced being viewed as if my lowest points or acts defined me as if they were who who I was that is the majority of my experience but when I have experienced forgiveness which haven't been the major part of my experience how has it felt it's felt open and free peaceful and yeah liberating Mm -hmm. and relationship building when you forgive you it's not just that you restore a relationship, but you, you take it to another level. I've experienced intimacy, greater intimacy than before, yeah. with people who have forgiven me. Yeah, so tough question to answer. I had to put that in the end there when I have experienced forgiveness, but, you know, I mean, as you saw from my answer, it's not what I fall back on as being, you know, really my experience in the main. So you haven't been on the receiving end all that much? No. What about giving it? Yeah, I've given forgiveness. Can you forgive the people who haven't been able to forgive you? Yes. Have you? Yes, absolutely. But the challenge for me is that these people have never been willing to accept my forgiveness either because they're the same people. And they, they keep behaving the same way? Yes. Is real forgiveness conditional on the response you get? Mm. No. You can forgive without that forgiveness being accepted, you know. Um, Do you need to receive gratitude for forgiveness, for forgiveness to actually work? No, but I guess what I craved when I've, when I've forgiven is I've craved a restored relationship. Which you know, hasn't happened? No, no, it never happened, you know, not in terms of my human relationships. I'm talking about my family, you know, mm. my father, my brother, mm. um, because our family was, was split over my, my wedding and other issues. And their actions were very, very profoundly hurtful to me. And I, I've had to forgive them from my heart. But that forgiveness has never been able to be accepted. and It's never led to a restored relationship. Mm. So, you know, this isn't one of these cutesy talks about forgiveness is just forgive everyone and it's kumbaya, my Lord, and everyone's happy. Mm. Forgiveness is a lot tougher than the five-step process that, you know, we like to talk about or six steps, whatever. Yeah. Mm. I learned about forgiveness 
the power of it from my my wife Michelle. Ooh. A great many people know her story. Her story is the cornerstone of the work we do with Mission Serenity and, and Recovery Road, a twelve step recovery program. But she was uh, an adopted part Aboriginal baby in a very loving Christian family uh, who took her on, thank God, and um, loved her and nourished her. But partly as a result of their naivety and, and their lack of understanding, she was being groomed at a very early age by a perpetrator who went on to molest her virtually every weekend for six years as a child in the church that she was attending. And it destroyed her. It um, it did so much to damage her that um, you need a, a vast catalogue to, to list it all. But when I met her 13 years ago, she was um, very formidable. Uh, she'd built a massive suit of armour around herself Ooh. because of what had happened to her. And, and the life that resulted from that, the ripples in the pond in these things go on and on. She went on to live in a relationship that wasn't healthy. She had four children to a man who uh, who himself had major issues, I think, and treated her very badly. When I met her, she was she was just really tough. She could have gone either way. She could have gone, you know, she could have collapsed into servitude and and being submissive but she became I guess aggressive Mm -hmm. and she was beautiful but very formidable and um, she had a sign on her forehead I used to laugh about it we've laughed about it since it had back off Mm -hmm. flashing on it I luckily on that that day I just looked through that and I kept going anyway because it was not long before I was going to kill myself that I met her anyhow we started on a journey to repair each other when we first got together. And it was a wonderful experience. I don't recognise that description of Michelle no. in what I see today, by the way. No. Well, that's all because of forgiveness. We worked through some stuff together and, uh, you know, we, we were looking looking into my porn addiction and working on the reasons for that and she was helping me with that and I was helping her with... The main thing I did to help her was listen to her story a thousand times. And that's what's really important. When when you are somebody who's damaged, who's never been able to talk about it, we need to give them an opportunity to share their feelings till they get to a point where they can talk about it without tears welling up and without upset and emotional upset. And I never, ever shut her down. Every time she it looked as though she wanted to discuss it, I always made sure my mobile was turned off, the TV was turned off, and there was no distraction, and I just listened, even though I'd heard it a thousand times. Mm. But each time I listened, I saw something changing in her, so it was to my benefit to do that. And uh, anyhow, we resolved one day to travel across the other side of the country to track down the perpetrator who had been charged but through uh, very clever and expensive barristers uh, were, got off the charges. The charges were actually dropped because there was a, a fear that he may not live too long and they didn't want to upset him, uh, the legal system being what it was then. Anyway, we managed to track this guy down in a nursing home and that, that's a whole other story in itself. Uh, how we found him and what led us to him was amazing but that's for another time. Um, but we, we managed to drive into this entryway, a rose garden into this nursing home where we believed he may be staying. And we were going to go into the admin building and find out if he was there. And as we walked towards the admin building, Michelle grabbed me and held my hand really hard. And she said, oh, my God. I said, what? She said, that old man sitting on the park bench all by himself out the front of the admin building, that's him. And I said, you're kidding. She said, no, he's, that's like he's sitting there waiting for us. And we planned this journey for several months and we walked over and she sat next to him and he looked at her and I looked down at him, I was standing up and I said, are you so-and-so? And he said, yes. I said, do you know who this is? And he said, no. And he looked at Michelle and I said, this is Michelle Corker. That was her name at the time. And he trembled and uh, 
He said, oh, Shelley, it's good to see you. And he grabbed her by the hand and he stroked the back of her hand. Creepy. Really creepy. And he looked at her in a, in a really evil kind of way, you know, like he was exerting control over her with his eyes. And mm. she just looked him straight in the eye and she said, she called him uncle. She said, hello, uncle so-and-so. And um, cause he was a, a family friend. She uh, looked at him and she said, um, I've travelled across the country to tell you something, and that is that I forgive you for what you did. And by this time, I'd crouched down on my haunches sitting in front of him. And uh, I looked at him and his eyes welled up and he stroked her on the back of the hand and he said, that's really good, Michelle, and I want you to know that I forgive you too because you were just as responsible as I was. And I raged up. Um, I'd never felt such powerful rage in my life and I reached Mm. over... And I grabbed him on the shoulder with my right hand and I almost crushed his shoulder. I was so angry. <laughs> and I looked at him and I drew back my, my left hand and I looked at him and I squeezed him hard and he looked at me with a fearful expression and he said, I said to him, that is not acceptable. And I was about to hit him. And Michelle put her hand out and blocked me and she said, no, 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 stop, stop. And she looked up at the sky and she said, God, give me strength in a really loud voice. And she took a deep breath and she looked him straight in the eye and she said, despite everything you just said, I still forgive you. Ah, uh, yeah. She's an amazing woman. And uh, <laughs> it was the most emotional experience I can ever remember. And I looked at him and he was flummoxed. And he looked at me and at that moment I saw evil leave the man. Up until then, it was like he had this evil influence in him that was like almost like a demonic mm. presence that was guiding his every word. Mm. And when she did that, he lost that evil. It had gone. Mm. And I, I saw something dramatically happen, and I looked at her with such pride, and she was very emotional. She was very teary, and she leaned over and she kissed him on the forehead, and she got up and she said, have a, have a good life, and she walked away. That's completely transformed her life. It has. And your life. And mine, because I witnessed it. Now, I I remember looking at him and I, I didn't. I, there was so much I wanted to say to him. And um, he just looked at me in a way and he, he said, what's your name again? And I said, Graham Hood. And he said, you make sure you take good care of her. She's a really good girl. And I said, I'll do a damn sight better job than you did. Forgive the language. And then I, I thought, no, nah, it's not for me to hold a grudge against this man. And I... I stood up beside him and I put, I patted him on the back of the, the neck and I just said, you go in peace, old fella. And I walked over to her and she was a blithering mess. It had drained every ounce of energy from her to do that. And I hugged her in, mm. the, in the car park of this uh, place and he was watching. And she said, let's get out of here. I said, no, no, he needs to see this. And I hugged her for a while and then I believe it was his daughter came out of the um, nursing home with a suitcase. It was Good Friday. Mm. And uh, she said, come on, Pop, we've got to take you home for Easter. And we'd only just made it. It was a divine Mm. appointment. And then she stopped crying really quickly. Mm. And I looked at her and I said, what is it? She said, look at that. And I said, what are you looking at? And in front of the car in the rose garden was this massive rose bloom, a beautiful pink rose head about six inches across. Mm. And it looked like it was illuminated. Mm. And it looked like a gift. And I went over and I picked the the bloom off the top of the bush and it's pressed into our family Bible now. And it's called the Peace Rose. Wow. And it was like a gift that God had given her for what she'd just done. 
Now, at that very moment of forgiveness, she got control of her life back. I saw it happen. All of a sudden, with the forgiveness, she had taken this man's power over her life away Mm. from him. She took the remote control of her life back. She said, this is mine and you're not having it. And I don't believe he could have been punished any more. He could have gone to prison and that would have satisfied a lot of people's needs for vengeance and, and condemnation and judgment. But I think her act of forgiving him actually did more to satisfy that desire than anything because Ooh. it took his power away. And from that moment on, I coined a phrase, I, looked, I, I saw evil leave that man that day. So we don't only forgive uh, for the sake of others. We, we forgive for our own sakes, for, we do. For, for the sake of getting back our own lives. I coined a phrase that day that goes like this, that grace and evil cannot live in the same room and evil is always the first to leave. Mm. When we forgive others, we're sharing grace mm. and when we're graceful, mm. we tend to float through life a whole lot uh, more effortlessly than mm. we do when we're bound by resentments and, and unforgiveness and anxiety. Well, your your sharing sort of prompts me to reflect a little bit, little bit more on my own experience. Mm-hmm. I grew up in a very, very tight knit Mediterranean family with Mediterranean kind of values. Yep. Here in Australia, very close family. No other relatives here in Australia. Just my father, my mother, and my brother and myself. And after my marriage, I was disowned completely for no reason other than that uh, my father disagreed with the beautiful woman that I married, that had the potential to completely derail and destroy my life. And I had to forgive. But that forgiveness never really came, in a sense, I think. I mean, it was there until after my father committed suicide. Mm. The reason is because I realised that there was going to be no reconciliation now. And... I realised that the only way that I could heal was to forgive, even though he wasn't there for me to go and and speak to anymore. I hadn't been allowed to see him Mm. or my mother, Mm. basically for years and years and years, and I've had to forgive him. My mother was profoundly codependent, so there was nothing to forgive. Mm. I've had to forgive my brother as well. But that's just had to be from between me and God, you know? Sometimes forgiveness is only between you and God. Mm. You don't only just receive forgiveness from God. You've got to forgive others from your heart with God first, even before you go and see others. Sometimes you can't go and see those others. Yeah. And then, you know, when my porn addiction was discovered, you know, as you know, I'm still struggling with issues of unforgiveness there. Yeah. But I've come to the point where I have, I've decided that I need to reclaim my identity. I have to be strong. I can't continue to be uh, someone who's always depending on what other people think of him. I've got to be courageous. Yeah, you, do. you know, I've got to be honourable. And that means being true to who I am. And I've got to reclaim power in my life. Mm. And that means that I have to forgive those who have hurt me, those who have withheld forgiveness from me, those who have exerted power over me, those who have abused me. Now, those who have betrayed me, there's been I've got so many knife wounds in my back yeah. uh, that, are, that are slowly healing, and that comes from people close to me. It comes from churches. It comes from, you know, organizations. It comes from religion, false religion, you know. You know, so many knife wounds. But unless 
I learn to forgive when there is no one in front of me to forgive, which maybe is the kind, the hardest kind of forgiveness. At least Michelle, I mean, what was under her was worse than anything I'm talking about, but at least she had someone, you know, it was a divine thing that she could go and, and tell him, you know, I forgive you. Yeah. But in a, in a way, to forgive when there is no one present to forgive is the hardest thing. But, but I'm learning that it, it's the way to reclaim your life. Yeah. It takes courage. It yeah. takes strength. It says, yes, okay, forgiveness doesn't mean reconciliation. It means I have no bitterness towards you in my heart, you know. doesn't mean that you forget what's happened no. to you. No. You can't. No. And, and quite often there, there's no reconciliation. But it means that you can think of that person without bitterness, without resentment, without anger, and you can say, yes, that's that. I'm going to move on with my life. And, and, I, and I'm freeing you in my heart to move on with your life too. If you choose. If you choose, yeah. So does forgiving somebody mean that you then have a relationship with them or you don't have to have a relationship with someone you forgive if they're toxic? No. And just because they're toxic in your relationship doesn't mean they're toxic with everybody, does it? No, of course not. Yeah. yeah. So a lot of people I talk to about forgiveness tend to think that they have to, um, you know, I don't want to forgive that person because I don't want to have anything more to do with them. You don't have to have anything to do with the people you forgive if you, unless you feel a desire to restore a relationship. Well, you know, you can, you, I guess that you could forgive, as hard as it might be, a child molester who, who raped your child. Mm-hmm. It doesn't mean you're going to have a relationship with them and, and, and have them look after your children in the future. Exactly right. You know, there's consequences, you know, for, for wrongdoing. But what forgiveness does is it takes away the, the bitterness, the resentment, the anger helps heal the wounds in your own heart. Now, very often, that can lead to an improved relationship, you know, between a husband and a wife, say, for example. Yep. It can, and yep. I guess it should. That's the ideal. But it takes two to tango, yep. you know, and sometimes if one is not a very good dancer, mm. you know, because they've been crippled by, you know, what they've done, well, there's consequences. Michelle and I have got a... Um a saying that we use with couples when we do uh, relationship restoration stuff, retreats and things, and that is that the past is a warehouse where we store wisdom, not an armory where we go to get weapons. Mm. And I, I think in a lot of relationships, especially marriages in particular, mm. the past is used a lot to hurt and remind. Mm. Remind a person that, hang on a minute, don't forget you did this, and I did forgive you, but don't ever forget you did it. Ain't that the truth? <laughs> Amen. People say, oh, you shouldn't live in the past. The past is very, very handy to go back to. Mm. Look, in my job, we refer to the past all the time because we don't want to repeat the mistakes that were made back then in the future. Of course. And there are things that I did not too well in so many aspects of my life, and I go back to the past to look at what caused me to do them that way and resolve issues the way I did, which weren't successful, and make sure I don't do that again. Mm. You know, what's that saying? That people who forget history are doomed to repeat it. Mm. So, you know, we shouldn't walk away from our past because it's where our wisdom is founded. Mm. But we shouldn't be using it to beat people over the head with. No, and what we do with our past is we wrap ourselves in it and it it turns into an armour that stops us from walking into our future. And receiving love. And receiving love and and building relationships, you know, Mm. and not only building existing relationships but having new relationships, seeing possibilities in our lives. We can't do that when our lives are wrapped in, in, you know, the the armour of the hurts and the wounds of our past. I remember talking to a man once 
in a I guess a mentoring situation. It was some time ago, and he um, he was a guy who was behaving very badly, and I recognised in him that he didn't like his behaviour. It defined who he was, and he didn't like who he was Mm. as a result of it. And it was I started to delve into his past, and then I started to delve into his father's past because his father was directly related to his behaviour now because his father was brutal to him. When I recognised that, I could start to see why his behaviour was founded the way it was. And, uh, and I actually said to him, would you, uh, let's go through your father's past. Let's go on a journey through his past. What do you know? Oh, yeah, well, he, he was in the Korean War, you know, and um, he saw, you know, fierce action in the Korean War. A couple of his mates were frozen to death in a trench. He, he saw people get their heads blown off and all that sort of stuff. And apparently when he came back from the Korean War, he was a vicious, angry man. And I said, what was he like before he went away to the war? Well, apparently he was the life of the party. Everyone loved him, da-da-da. So mm. I said, is it conceivable that the war changed him? Mm. He said, I've never actually thought about what changed him, but I guess that must have been the pivotal point. And I said to him, how do you think you would have gone watching your friends freeze to death in the trenches of Korea and seeing their heads blown off? How would you have responded to that? How would you have come home from that? Mm. And he started to soften and he said... Um, I probably wouldn't have handled it as well as he did. Mm. And I said, so do we need to forgive your father? He said, maybe we do. I said, is there a need to forgive him or did he do the very best that he could at the time? And he said, well, if I'd been in his shoes, I'd probably be hoping someone would forgive me. And when he got that, he turned completely. His whole demeanour changed, his behaviour changed. His behaviour, his negative behaviours were directly related to his lack of forgiveness of his father. Mm. And his forgive, lack of forgiveness of his father was founded in a lack of understanding of what his father went through. Mm. As much as we abhor the molestation of children, mm. and this is in no way an excuse for anybody who molests children, mm. but normally the, the lives of those who molest children have been adversely affected by others who have had an impact on them in their growing up. And, you know, if we keep going back through history looking for someone to blame, we could find ourselves back in the Garden of Eden. Well, we have the choice to break that cycle, don't we? We've got to break the chain. We've got to break that cycle. Mm. I mean, I can tell you from personal experience what the results of living with unforgiveness are, mm. whether it's because I haven't forgiven or because I haven't been forgiven. Mm. When you don't let forgiveness flow, See, we were made for, for grace. We were made for forgiveness. Mm. We're made for open relationships when you don't let forgiveness flow. Your health suffers. You're talking about grinding your teeth, but all sorts of stress and dysfunctional relationships are the cause of so many diseases. I mean, I haven't asked you, but I would imagine that a lot of the people that you counsel that are going through horrific you know, relationships or, or mm. traumatic you know, or trying to recover from traumatic incidents, a lot of them end up with terrible health problems and diseases. It's well, they do. Michelle, happens. Michelle's a registered, she's a qualified psychologist, mm. and she often says to people that she talks to that anything psychological that is not dealt with will become physiological in that, you know, we have a lot of stress-related disease in our world. Yeah. Yeah, we have um, you know heart disease and cancers and anxieties and mental problems, which are all stress related, which mm. which are largely founded in situations that are long since gone, mm. and experiences uh, experiences that are long since gone, and are nurtured by our lack of forgiveness or the lack of forgiveness of others, and that feeling of not being loved. 
Well, I've got a lot of health issues that doctors can't identify the cause of. Mm. You know, I've got a lot of inflammation throughout my body and a lot of a lot of things. But the other thing that unforgiveness causes is it destroys our relationships. You know, yeah. and we can think that we're doing the right thing. We're protecting ourselves, or we're doing, we're standing up for what's right, or you know, we're giving it to the other person. Whatever it is that we think, we think we're doing the right thing. But that one toxic relationship that we have with one person will end up defining every single other relationship that we have. It's like dragging a dead corpse around it's, behind you, isn't it? It's toxic. It's it smells. poisonous. And then, of course, it destroys, you know, when you have unforgiveness in your life that you don't deal with, whether you need to forgive someone or whether you need to be forgiven and you don't deal with that properly, then it destroys your relationship with God as well. I don't want to sound like an expert on forgiveness because I can't, because there's one person <laughs> in my life who I really struggle to forgive, really struggle. Were we talking about this person the other day? No, we're talking about me. Oh, okay. We were t- <laughs> Yes, of course. We're talking about me. Uh. I, I don't know, you know, people listening to us talk may relate to this. I'm an old man now, I'm 66, I'm getting old. And, and I have, you know, issues where I have to get up through the night and go, go to the toilet and, you know, the old bladder ain't what it used to be. I don't want to create bad images in this, but I struggle to get back to sleep sometimes when I go mm. back to bed because I start replaying all the garbage that I was a part of. Oh, yes. I start replaying all the horrible things that I did and the things that I said and the fool that I made of myself. And I can forgive anyone anything. Mm. I really am a forgiving person because a guy said to me recently, um, who I hadn't seen for a while, who did some things to really hurt Michelle and Mm. I very badly. And he said, you know, it's good to see you again. And I hope, you know, I hope there's no hard feelings. And I says to him, mate, you know the problem with hard feelings? He said, no, what is it? I said, they're too hard. There's no hard feelings. I can't carry those feelings anymore. I don't want to. I'm very forgiving. I can forgive others, but I really struggle to deal with my own behaviours and and the history of my own behaviours. Boy. But I think, I mean, it's good that you've landed here because uh, I think that's me. I think that's every man. I think that's every human being. I've been seeing a great Christian counsellor over the last seven or eight months or so. Yeah. Uh, just to help deal, help me deal with some issues. Because, you know, one of the things is I used to be a very, very judgmental person. Mm. And I've, I've given a lot of that up. I'm a lot mellower. I love that word. Yeah. Mellow. That's my favourite word. That's right. I'll, I've heard you say it a few times. So I've become a lot mellower and more accepting the more that I've understood my own and seen my own shortcomings. Mm. And, you know, one of the things that my counsellor said to me, he said, Ellie, you're a very judgmental person. And you've given up all judgment of others. But you know who's the person you judge the harshest? Yourself. That's me. <sighs> yeah. Brother, ain't that the truth? But that's why I reckon, Graham, I need to, I am doing it. You know I'm doing it. You know, I don't want to live with the consequences of unforgiveness, the health, the emotional, the spiritual consequences. And so I have to, difficult as it is for me, having been very codependent all my life, I have to have the courage to forgive you know and to accept the forgiveness that others may may have for me and and that's the hardest thing because unless we have forgiven ourselves first unless we're coming from a place of knowing who we are a place of solid identity then what have we got to offer others in terms of forgiveness can i ask you a question that may make this process a bit easier okay is there anyone on the planet that you know of who doesn't require forgiveness or need to give it 
No. <laughs> so you're not alone. True. We're not alone. No, we're not alone. You know, I, I often wonder about these these chats that we have. I wonder who's listening to them. And I, in my mind's eye, when I'm when I'm lying back at night after I've been to the loo and I've and I'm beating myself up, I'm thinking about all the other guys who are beating themselves up. And I'm wondering if there's somebody pushing a rig down the Hume Highway between Sydney and Melbourne who might be listening well, to hope, us chatting. I, I kind of hope no one's listening in because I'm I'm sharing some pretty personal stuff here. Yeah, yeah, you you know, you know, you're you're braver than you think you are, <laughs> and you know what? And your strength lies in your vulnerability because if everyone knows everything there is to know about you, who cares? Yeah. But I, I often sit there and I wonder, I wonder if um, there's some guy listening to what we're saying who's thinking to himself, um, I can relate to that, and that makes the whole process of sharing about this stuff worthwhile because we know that people relate to what we're saying mm. because we're just people. Mm. We're all just people. We're not being plastic here. No, we're not. I have to ask another question. We can often forgive the people in our lives or we need forgiveness of people in our lives who've hurt us and then there are, we need to forgive ourselves. Who's the other standout that we need to forgive sometimes or feel we need to forgive or who we hold resentment against? God. Ain't that the truth? That's me. That's you? Yeah. Really? Yeah. You need to forgive God? No, well, I don't need to forgive God, but... I've been resentful against God. I need to ask his forgiveness because God doesn't end up being, you know, sometimes who you were taught he was in church. He ends up being much more patient, graceful and surprising and forgiving. Yeah. And when he doesn't live up to what God's job description looks like, when we hit those disappointments, you know, when we reckon we've been good people, then, yeah, we, I think... It can turn people on the borderline against God yeah. and it can turn believers in God. It can just simmer in the background until one day it, it explodes. Do good things always happen to good people? Uh, no. Do bad things happen to bad people? Or do good things happen to bad people? Yeah, of course they do. All kinds of things happen to everyone. Well, I know a lot of people who are struggling to forgive God. Mm. And I think that's all based in the one thing and that thing is... You know, there's a wonderful movie that you and I have watched, a documentary movie called The Heart of Man, mm. uh, which is about uh, men's desires and lust and addictions and so on. And there's a, a guy, an author called Paul Young, who says that um, we bought this lie about God. And it goes way back to the Garden of Eden when the serpent said to Adam and Eve, you know, eat, eat the fruit. Mm. You know, you don't want to believe everything he tells you. He can't mm. be trusted. Uh, he doesn't keep his promises. Uh, he's out to get you. And I think that that feeling underlines everything we think about when we struggle to find a way to even approach God, let alone get get his forgiveness or give it to him. And maybe that's something we need to ponder as well. Well, we... I, I think pondering on that, I think that the root of all forgiveness, at least when I forgive, but I really think it's the root of all forgiveness, is knowing that I have been forgiven by God. Amen. Because any forgiveness that I give or receive, receive is nothing compared to that, and it all flows from there. He's the great forgiver. Um, I'm only passing on just just a bit of that. Yeah, but he doesn't know everything about you, does he? Yeah, well, he does. He does, yeah. Yeah. and But the thing is that, that we struggle with is with the idea that we are forgivable by God. Mm. And that's why knowing who God is is such an important thing because when you understand that, yes, I am lovable, I'm acceptable, God actually likes me. He doesn't just love me. He likes me and he, he forgives. 
whatever it is I've done, mm. then that's that gives you a really rock solid place to stand, put your feet on, and ground your identity on. Yeah. And uh, to from from that place, it's not slippery ground anymore. You can forgive. Yeah. And you can move on with your life. Well, on that note, I need to ask you before we go: Is there anything that you need to forgive me for? No, I can't think of anything. Oh, that's good because I can't think of anything I need to forgive you for. I'll work on it though. I'll see if I can dredge something up. Yeah. Well, no, wait. It's a waste of time. Waste of time. Nothing there. Let's end this hug fest. Yeah. Good on you. <laughs> good talking to you, mate. Good talking to you. Yeah. Love you. Yeah, bye. Me bye. too. Bye. Mates in courage. Brought to you by Good News Unlimited. To sign up for Graham and Ellie's daily spiritual message emails about recovering from addictions, hurts and hang-ups, visit goodnewsunlimited.com. To book Graham and Ellie for talks, get in touch at the same website. And if you're troubled by anything you've heard, please call Lifeline on 13 11 14 or an equivalent service in your own country. Thanks for listening. Mates in Courage. Catch you in the next episode.